Well, let me, um, let me welcome you here today to Big Valley Grace. Welcome to those of you that are over in the venue. It was good to be with you guys for a little bit, and especially if this is your first time with us, we're, we're grateful to have you. If you're watching online, blessings. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay, take the sword out there. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't own a Bible, all you have to do is go into the altar room here, the altar room over in the venue, and we'll give you one. Okay, we give away lots of Bibles. We want to make sure you have uh, a book of your own that you can write in, take notes in, you can underline things, all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you need a Bible, just go into the altar room. We'll, we'll, we'll give you one. So it was, uh, I don't know, I guess it was about three weeks ago. I walked in here and I told you that my uh, oldest daughter uh, was pregnant with our first uh, grandchild and I was all pumped and excited about it and, and I told you that, you know, you, you have not because you ask not, you know, that's what the Lord said and so I prayed, you know, obviously I want a healthy baby but I said, hey, Lord, I sure would like to have a, a, a girl. And I just, Lord, I, I want a girl. Lord, please have, you know, have, have a girl. And I asked you, I, my church family, I said, hey, would you guys all be praying that uh, not only would the baby be healthy, but there'd be a, a girl? Well, last week, she and uh, her husband invited me and my wife to, uh, you know, that, like, I don't know, womb with a view. <laughs> I don't know. They do like an 8D thing. I don't even know what 8D is. I know what 3D is, but I... And so we were invited. We got there. It was exciting. And, and she, you know, lays down on the thing, and they put the stuff on her, and now they're, they're doing the thing on her, you know. And there's a huge jumbotron in there. And, and, and you can see it. It's just, whoa. And all of a sudden, you know, there, 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 there was the baby's head, it was just crazy, and then, then his hands, and, and you saw its feet, and, and, then, and then hearts beating, man, it was just this incredible thing. You saw its spine, its legs, it was just really, it was just fascinating to, to see this. And then, you know, she's doing her thing, and then all of a sudden, the, there was something that girls don't have. Um, <laughs> And, and I want to be careful because there's young children in here, you know, uh, or watching online, but it was like this. I was looking at it going, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, so uh, I had, uh, my wife didn't know, my daughter didn't, nobody knew, but I had stopped at, uh, at Target and got this onesie, this little girl's onesie. Okay? <laughs> Had it all wrapped up, and, and now, you know, they're taking all these pictures, and it was obvious, you know, we got, a, we, got a, we got a guy coming, you know. And so I gave her the gift, and there she is, and I said, open it, and she opens it, and there's this little girl, pink little onesie, and I said, so here's what you can do. You can re-gift it and give it to a girlfriend years later. <laughs> it was just, but hey, hey, listen, hey, what you care about is that they're healthy, and it was really, really great. So thank you for your prayers. <laughs> Obviously, the Lord ain't listening to this group's prayers. I, I don't know what that means. Man. Um, well, look, if you're visiting with us, we're uh, in a series here where we're looking at the uh, importance of doing life together with other people or the importance of getting into circles. That's kind of how one of the ways that we talk about it. Uh, this is important. Getting in a row like this and looking at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half, this, this is important. It, it is. I mean, God wants us to do this. He wants us to come together and, and together sing songs and, and worship him together and lift his name up together. He, he wants us to bring our gifts and together give them. And he wants us to hear his word proclaimed together. This is an important part of, of the journey of faith, but it's not the only part. In the American church, this has become, I think, the most important thing. Sunday mornings, you know, we, we all go to church and sit in a row. Saturday nights here at Big Valley Grace, we go in a, we, you know, sit in rows and, and all of that. But obviously, we're, 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 we're built for relationships. Uh, the, the Bible says that you were made for relationships. In fact, the Bible says right out of the gate that it's not good for man to be alone. And how he solved the problem of aloneness 
was this thing called marriage. Obviously, that solves the dilemma of aloneness. But some people aren't supposed to get married. God has gifted them in such a way that they remain single all of their life. Or maybe you did marry, and uh, I don't know, a, a death happened, and you're, 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 you're not married. And so how do you solve the problem of aloneness if God has made you so you're not supposed to be married, like the great apostle Paul? He, he wasn't married, as best we know. Well, circles. He gave us each other. You, you, you can solve the problem of aloneness, obviously, with a spouse. No doubt about that. But obviously, you can solve the problem of being alone through relationships that you have with, with other people. The Bible says that once you became a, a believer, you became a part of God's family. You, you're in a family. God just doesn't want you to attend a church gathering, but he, he wants you to belong to a family. One of the things that I, I'm really enjoying is putting these name tags on and having an extended time where we can walk around and meet people and talk and fellowship. And man, it's taken us 40 years, but I, I think we finally are, are hitting on it. Amen. Instead of just, hey, figure out who's sitting next to you, Let's take a little bit of time and let's walk around and let's enjoy meeting all kinds of new people, being able to look and say, oh yeah, you know, that, that's that person and beginning to learn names. The Bible says this in John chapter one. It says, he came into the very world he created. Talk, talking about Jesus. Jesus came into the very world he created. And we celebrate that, that moment in December. We call it Christmas. Right Today in the town of David, a, a savior, a Messiah, has been born for you. He, he came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He, he came to his own people, the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. The Messiah was a Jew. The savior was a Jew. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. But it's verse 12 that, that, that I want you to focus on. But to all who believed in him, or all who accepted him, all who made Jesus their Lord and Savior, or the phrase I kind of like to use is, anybody who lets Jesus become the CEO of their life, he gave those people the right to become children of God. And, and that's just a, a beautiful thought, children of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the one who filled our brother John and had him write these words. God, God says, if you know my son, you're one of my children. It just has a, a, a kind of a neat, a neat feel to it. You're one of God's children, which means you're a part of God's family, and God wants his family to be tight. Uh, I'm a dad, and got three kids, and one of the things that I've prayed often is that my family would be close, that my family would be tight, that even as they've gotten older and one of my daughters is out of the house and married and has her own family and one of my daughters is down in Fresno, you know, going to school, I've got a son who's, you know, a junior over in our high school, even though they're getting older, I still pray that our family would remain close and remain tight. In fact, every dad in this room has prayed that. No, no, no dad, no moms, you know, man, I pray that my family is just at odds with one another. <laughs> I pray that my kids don't get along. Nobody prays that unless they're nutty. <laughs> we want our family to be tight. Well, guess what? Our Heavenly Father's no different. We're, we're, we're family, and he wants his family to be tight. He, he, he doesn't want us to do life alone. In fact, I want you to listen real carefully to the heart of God, okay? In Romans, it says, be devoted and give preference to one another. Romans goes on to say, accept one another. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, care for one another. Paul says in Galatians, bear one another's burdens. Wow. In Thessalonians, Paul says, encourage and build up one another. 
The writer of Hebrews says, stimulate, motivate one another to love and and good deeds. Our brother James said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Peter says, serve one another. And then John says, love one another. And those those I just shared with you, that's not not a comprehensive list of all the one another's. That's just a pretty good list, though. Beloved, when you read through the Bible, when you read through especially the New Testament, you can't miss the fact that we need to be radically committed to one another. God doesn't want us just to be committed. God wants us to be radically committed to one another. I want my family to be radically committed to one another. I don't want them just to be committed. We're radically committed. You, 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 you name the name Countryman or Soria, look, that means something. And, 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 and we're going to love each other and care about each other and serve each other and pray for each other and stimulate one another to love. We're, 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 we're tight in this thing. And God, God wants us as his family to be not just committed, but to be radically committed. These one another principles that we find in scriptures are, are biblical mandates. They're not just suggestions that God has for us as his family. He expects us to obey his word. So let me ask you an important question. Can you fulfill all these one another principles in a gathering like this? Can you fulfill all of these one another principles, you know, by looking at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half and taking about five minutes, maybe walking around and meeting people? Well, the answer is no, of course you can't. But here's the deal. You could if you were in a circle. You could if you were in a small group. You could if you were in one of our home groups or life groups. In fact, I can tell you right now, our men, they meet on Monday nights and Tuesday mornings, they meet around circles, meet around tables. They're fulfilling all those one another principles in this room on Mondays and Tuesdays. Our women's ministries, they, they, they get around circles. Our CR ministry, they gather in here like this, but then they go and get in circles. Uh, right now, primetime, I, I taught in primetime last weekend. Right now, over in that room, right back here, our fireside room, that thing is jammed up. And I'm telling you, they got, they got a shoehorn to get everybody in there. If the fire marshal shows up, you know, get them a seat in there. I, I mean, it's jammed up. And we've, you know, suggested, hey, you know, you could put a whole lot more people in there if you put them in rows. You, you'd have thought... You know, I had to protect my eyeballs, man. They were poking my eye. No, we, we want to get in circles. We're in rows in here at 9 a.m. We want to get in circles. That room's got all kinds of tables in them. And when you get around a circle, you, you get into a, a group like this, you're in a home group or whatever it is, guess what? All of a sudden, all these one another principles, you can begin to start to, to unpack in other people's lives. You can fulfill the word of God in, 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 that, in that way. Last weekend, Pastor Lonnie talked a, a lot about what happened in, in the early church, the, the very first church. You know, in the Old Testament, those 39 books in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all through Malachi, the, the, there's no church. It's not until you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have the four Gospels, we get to read about the life of Jesus. Then you get to the book of Acts, and it's in the book of Acts that this is born. The church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And it's in the book of Acts, you get to see how the very first church interfaced. What it looked like, what it it felt like, or whatever word you want to use. And it says this in Acts chapter 2. It says they, that, that's the church, that's us. Those, these are believers in Christ, the bride of Christ, okay? They worshiped together 
at the temple each day. In other words, they got in rows. It wasn't like this, but it was like this. And, 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 and then they said, and then it says, then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They would, they would go to people's homes and they would get in circles and they would enjoy a moment where they would remember the Lord's life and his, his death and, and his resurrection and his soon coming, the Lord's Supper. But not only that, then they would share meals with each other in these homes. And there's, there's something special about sharing a meal with somebody. You, you can go to a house and hang out and do a Bible study and that's all good and well. But man, there's something when you break bread and you're eating chicken together or you're eating spaghetti together or you're eating you know, pizza together or you're eating whatever it is. There's, there's this great feel going on in the early church. But they just didn't share meals together, but there was great joy. And here they were remembering the Lord's life and his death and his resurrection and his soon coming and there's joy and generosity. Wow. Look, they didn't have a brochure in the early church to say, hey, here's, here's some homes you can get to. Obviously, they didn't have the technology to do that, but if they would have had the technology, they would have had a brochure. Here are the homes. Here's where you could go. Here's where the believers are. And here's where you can go and do life and fulfill all of these one another principles that God mandates that we live out in, in our lives. It was in the context of this early church and these homes where they could love one another and care for one another and pray for one another and serve one another and encourage one another. In fact, I, um, our college ministry, or not our college, our young adult ministry, uh, they meet in rows. It's a great ministry of our church. But they, 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 they started to think outside the box about ways they could reach and touch the lives of others. And, and I want you to see, see this video here real quick. Hey, I'm Brandon. My name is Kason. Yeah, I'm Juan. I'm Jordan. And we are part of our Young Adults Ministry here at Big Valley Grace. And what we are about is we want to be a place where young people in our church, college, 20-somethings, can have a place where they get to know other people, get to know the Word of God more, and get to serve and do life together. Yeah, basketball, young adult basketball. Uh, the whole uh, idea behind it was uh, four guys coming together and seeing uh, a group of people that we wanted to serve, and that was individuals who love basketball. A typical night, one of us takes point, uh, we say guidelines, a brother shares the gospel. You're special. God made you, and this book tells you that God made you. Uh, we encourage uh, for them to submit prayer requests, and after that, we split into teams and we play for the rest of the night. So it's just all different people from different walks of life. We've been having consistent um, 40 people, they keep on showing up, and there's, there's a, a certain reason why they keep on showing up. We cultivate this atmosphere where you can be vulnerable here. You can be yourself. Like, you don't gotta play the tough guy, the tough guy card here. You, you can just straight up ball and have fun doing it, and you get to learn about Jesus. Some people that would never show up on a Sunday night, they would come and play basketball on Wednesday. And you start to learn things about them. Some of them have kids, some of them have families, some of them you know, are single, some of them are you know, lost, some of them are broken, some of them are doing great. They're just, they come from all different places of life and they start to open up when they know that you care about them. Something here at BVG is um, find a place where you belong. And these men coming to the young adult, like Jordan was saying, they don't just come to play basketball. Because like, in, in all honesty, realistically, they only play about 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> So it's not the basketball, because they can go everywhere else. But it's something about the gospel that, that they keep coming back for. I mean, we're, we're outreaching to, to people to share the gospel, but it's also for us as well. Just us being leaders, learning how to lead, 
having a place to serve is, is a good thing too. One of the cool things about a group is that it allows you to be around other people that will encourage you. And these guys really encourage me. They encourage me to uh, look for ways to serve and look to get involved. Well, the group taught me how to be um, more faithful to uh, myself, to my brothers and sisters that help us serve, more importantly to God, you know? And uh, God has been teaching me a lot of stuff just through this ministry. It's been an amazing uh, ride so far. My encouragement for everyone to be part of a small group uh, is don't let pride get in the way because pride tends to rob us a lot of a lot of things. And in this group, humility is something we uphold. To know that even what our efforts on an evening don't lay on any one person. And you know, one, one person's sharing the gospel, another person's having a follow-up conversation, another person's serving over here in this way. It's the team approach that's really great. And just to, to know that we are collectively collaborating and I got I got my, my brothers here that are gonna help me in doing the work of the ministry that's it's really effective. It, it puts into practice what the Word of God says that they will know us for our love for one another. And that's something that we've discovered is that we know like it's real because we love one another. Isn't that great? Isn't that really great? Just being creative about how to get in small groups, loving each other, caring about each other, serving each other, thinking about the lost. And when I saw that this week, when they put the video together, I immediately thought this, Sass, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna put together an old man gray team. <laughs> no, I'm serious, we didn't get a good team together. You, I, Thompson, and just show up one day with our headbands on or spandex. Take on those young kids, man. Punks. They're all punks. <laughs> anyway, I love that. I, 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 just, I just love it. I love the fact, yeah, he's waving his cane at me. Come on. That ain't cool. You're supposed to encourage each other. <laughs> oh, man. Now, here's it. I want to get really specific, if I could, about one, one thing here. Just, just, just one thing. And I, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll tie it all together and... And this is where we get to our verse, okay? The verse I had you turn to, 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, the Word of God says this. So get rid of all evil, evil behavior. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have a, had a taste of the Lord's kindness. He basically, Peter basically says the same thing in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the errors of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow, grow. God, God wants you to grow. He wants you to mature in your relationship with him. He, 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 he wants you to learn more and more about him. Romans chapter 8 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And there's all these big $10 words up there, right? Foreknew, predestined, you know, and what does all that mean? Here's it. Let me boil this down for you, okay? No matter how you view the foreknowledge of God or what does it mean to be predestined, here's what I do know is that God foreknew you. He predestined you for a purpose, and that purpose was that you would be conformed or transformed into the image or the likeness of his son. When God opened your eyes to the truth about who you were and how your sin had separated you from the Father, when, when God revealed to you, opened your eyes to the truth of who his son was and what he accomplished by living a perfect life and dying on the cross and shedding his blood and walking out of that tomb alive, 
When he began to draw you and open your eyes to that purpose and you humbled yourself and you gave your life over to Christ and he cleansed you of your sin, it didn't end there. It was all for a purpose and that purpose was that you would become more and more like his son. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, you know, we're, we're told that we were made in the image of God. Genesis 3 happens, right? Uh, Adam sins. The image was marred. And it's when you gave your life to Christ that Christ begins to um, remake the image. It was marred. Sin had marred the image. And now with Christ in you, the image can be restored. And it's restored when you you know, grow and mature in your walk with the Lord and become more and more like Jesus. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, why does he want us to have the spirit and, uh, and, and, and of, of wisdom and revelation? So that we would know him better. So that we would grow and mature. So that we would become more and more like his son. Paul went on to say this in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children. God wants us to imitate him. But you can't imitate somebody you don't know. How do you become more and more like Jesus if you don't know him? If you're not growing in your relationship with him? I have, a, I have a friend named Jeff, and I, I, I could offer $1,000 to anybody that could come up here and imitate him, and not one of you could do it, and the reason why you couldn't come up here and imitate him is because you don't know him. You don't know anything about him. And here we have God's word that says, hey, I want my children, I want my family to be imitators of God. Well, there's only one way you're going to be able to imitate anybody. you got to know something about God. you got to know something about the Lord. And that, that, that's all a part of growing or, or maturing in your, in your faith. Colossians chapter 1 says, Paul writes, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all energy, which so powerfully works in me. You, you, you can see Paul's great desire. He just wanted people to mature in their faith. He wanted them to grow in, in, in their faith. He wanted them to have an intimate relationship with, with God. Paul, Paul wanted you and I to move beyond the basics of the faith. That's what he wanted. Peter and Paul had the same desire for you, that you would grow in your faith or your relationship with God. Again, Peter said, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Friends, here's the deal. Every healthy baby craves milk. Healthy babies crave milk. You, 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 if you've got a healthy baby, you don't have to worry about whether they want milk. Right, Mom? It's when a baby doesn't want milk. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a doctor to go, something's wrong with my baby. It doesn't want any milk. A healthy baby craves milk. And as long as a baby craves milk, they will grow and they will mature and sooner or later, they'll start to crave Gerber's because <laughs> the milk won't cut it. And then there comes a moment when you know what? The Gerber's doesn't cut it anymore. In other words, milk leads to meat. Amen. Does that make sense? Every baby 
I started off with milk. Every one of you in here started off with milk. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing evil in that. That's how you start. And obviously, we all had a craving for milk. And as we craved the milk, and as we drank the milk, just a natural progression happened. Now we're, 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 you know, we're, we eat solid foods. We, we, we want meat. Or we want the deep things of God. You see, the same thing is true for us as believers. Once we give our life to Christ, we're all kind of babies. And all, all we can handle is milk. We don't even realize there's the deep things of God. We, we don't know. But we all start at the same place, like every single baby physically. We all start at milk. But if you're a healthy Christian, at some moment you're going to move from the milk to the Gerbers to the meat. In fact, listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That's not the milk. There's a lot of milk in the scriptures. But he's now talking about the meat. He's talking about something different. Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He said, Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. The, the deacons have matured. They've gotten beyond the, just the milk. And now they're to hang on to the deep things of the faith. Look, every, every one of my kids, all three of my kids, one's 27, one's 19, one's whatever, 16. <laughs> they all started in the same place. They all drank milk. That's where they all, every one of them started there. Today, they like tacos and pizza and, uh, you, you know, whatever, whatever all the big food is. Wonder what, 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 what do you think I would do? What do you think Aaron would do if my 16-year-old was still just drinking milk? I got a problem. There's a serious problem. Or if my 19-year-old, if all, all she did was drink milk, problem. My 27-year-old was just drinking milk, I, I got a problem. There's, it's not a problem when they're babies. It's not a problem as they're growing up. That's where we all begin. There's no, no issue with that. But at some moment, my kids began to go, hey, look, can I get a taco? Hey, that, that pizza looks pretty good. They're, they're, they, they just naturally matured. And in a spiritual sense, we all started out drinking milk. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing evil in that. But I wonder... How many of you are, are still drinking milk? You're a, you're a teenager, if you will. Drinking milk. You're well along in your journey of the Lord, and you're still drinking milk. You're not growing. You're not maturing. I'm not talking about you, you, you losing your salvation. Please don't misunderstand me here. But milk always if, 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 if you're healthy, will lead to meat, will lead to the deeper things of God, wanting to know those deeper things of God. So how do you grow? How, how do you get to the taco, steaks, chicken, pizza, whatever all that stuff may be? How, how, how do you get there? Well, okay, pastor, I get what you're saying, and I've been drinking milk a long time. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe there's something I need to do. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to walk out of here going, wow, you know, I, I got to care about the deeper things of God. I need to mature my faith. I'm going to give you a thought here, okay? Number one, if you want to grow in your faith, you, you got to give God the, the place of honor in your life. I think that's where it starts. 
God's got to be the number one thing in your life. You, you want to grow, you want to mature, you want to move beyond the milk, you got to go, God, I'm, I'm going to give you the place of honor in my life. A lot of Christians, I think it's their spouse. For a lot of Christians, it's their children. Oh, my kids are my life, you know. For a lot of people, it's their boyfriend or girlfriend, or maybe it's their fiance. Some, some it's their career. And the reason why some of you are still drinking milk isn't because you don't know the Lord. It's because something else has the place of honor in your life. And so it's just, it's just kind of stunting your, 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 your growth. Jesus was asked, hey, out of all of the over 400 laws that were in the Old Testament, you had all these great prophets, right? You had Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Noah and, and you know, Malachi. And, you know, you had all these prophets that all spoke for, for God. And somebody asked him one day, hey, if you took up all that was said in the Old Testament, all the things that the great prophets said and all the laws that were in the Old Testament, Jesus, man, what's the most important one? Boil it down for me. Jesus, without hesitation, said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. In other words, you've got to make the Lord number one in your life. He has to have the place of honor in your life, in your family, in your business, whatever it might be. It's the greatest thing you can do with your life. There's nothing more important than that is that Jesus would, would have that place of honor in your life. He, Jesus himself actually put it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Some of your Bibles use the phrase righteous living and all the other things of life. He, he'll, he'll, he'll take care of that. Once he has the place of honor in your life, he'll take care of all the stuff. He doesn't say you can't seek other things. Hey, hey, you know, husbands, one of the things you got to seek is, is, you know, how to be a great husband, loving your wife, taking care of your wife. Wives, one of the things that God wants you to do is love your husband and take care of your husband. Hey, hey moms, dads, we're to take care of our children. God understands that there are other things that we got to do in life. He just said, here's the most important thing. Seek me first. Put, put my righteousness, right living ahead of everything else. And I'll kind of, I'll handle the, the, the rest, God, God basically says. Paul says the same thing, but just in a way different way in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Nothing wrong with coming in here and singing that's an act of worship. Nothing wrong with giving. That's an act of worship. Nothing wrong with listening to the word be proclaimed. That's an act of worship. But Paul says, hey, look, you really want to know what worship is? Worship is when you offer your body, your life to God and say, God, here are my hands. They're yours. Use them however you want. Hey, here are my legs. Here are my feet. You use my hands and my feet any way you want. Here are my ears. Here are my eyes. Lord, here's my tongue. It's all yours. Paul says, that's worship. When you put him in the center of your life and he has the place of honor in your life, something Something happens at that moment when, when you say, God, here, here I am. I'm giving you my body. I'm offering my body to you. I'm giving it to you. Now, I want you to know I spent a lot of time this past week, and, past week thinking about this verse. God, you, you want me to offer my life to you. you. You want me to be a living sacrifice. And I'm sure Paul thought about all the dead sacrifices that were on the altar. You know, People would bring a lamb or a goat or a bull and put them on the altar and kill them, blood would flow. And he's thinking, no, 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 no. God, God doesn't want you to be a dead sacrifice. 
He wants you to get up on the altar and be a living sacrifice. Here I am, God. Use me. You've got the place of honor in my life. Use me. And as I thought about it this week, here's the deal. I can't pull that off by myself. It's impossible. And God knows I can't pull it off by myself. I don't think he wants me to pull it off by myself. But here's the good news. God came up with this idea of the church. A bunch of people who can help each other pull this off. Because the thing about a living sacrifice is it crawls off the altar. Remember what 1 Corinthians says, care for one another. I can't think of a greater way to care for one another than to, hey man, how you doing? Are you, is God number one in your life right now? How was last week going? You still a living sacrifice? Or did you crawl off the altar? How you doing? Isn't that a great way to care? I know our men do that all the time around those circles. I know our women are doing that. I know CR is doing that. They're there to care about one another. Remember what 1 Thessalonians says? Encourage and build up one another. What a great thing to encourage people in. Hey, has God still got the place of honor in your life? Oh, man, you know what? This past week's been rough. I don't know. Wow, oh, come on. Let me encourage you. Make, make sure he's number one. Make sure that you're a living, you know, sacrifice. Look, here's the deal. I need help. I need encouragement to be a living sacrifice, and so do you. There's no such thing as some sort of lone ranger, you know, Christian. That's why he put us together. Uh, that's, that, that's why we, we're, we're doing our best to get people into the circles. Because we want you to fulfill what the Word of God says. We want you to make the Lord the number one thing in your life. We want you to be a living sacrifice. I, 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 I need you to help me in that area too. We're all in this, this thing together. Now the second thing, actually the next one I'm just gonna run through pr pretty quick. If you, if, if you wanna grow in your faith, you gotta be quick to confess and repent your, 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 your sins. Yes, you gotta put him on the pedestal, if you will. But unfortunately, this side of glory, our flesh is gonna get in the way. Look, look at our, our verse in 1 Timothy again, chapter two. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. So, so, so get rid of all evil behavior. And it's when you do that, there's an order here. All of a sudden, it's just easier to just crave the milk of the word, crave the word of God, whatever that might be. Look, if you are gonna grow in Christ, mature in Christ, or move from milk to meat, you gotta, you gotta be quick to deal with the sin in your life. Because sin will stunt your growth. If you choose to live in sin, you know what? You'll just kinda be stuck with milk. You'll never move beyond it. When, when, when you blow it or when it's revealed to you that you're living in sin, just do what the Bible says. Confess it to God. Go to people and confess it and be on your way. I was talking with a guy last night who confessed sin in his life, and yet for the last 10 or 12 years, he's just been paralyzed by it. Look, 12 years ago when you confessed that sin, it was over and done with. There may be some consequences to it, but it's time to move on. Get on with your life. Get on with whatever God's purpose is for your life. Allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash over you. You were forgiven. And for years, decade, over a decade, he's just been paralyzed. Oh, God just can't, can't forgive me. How could he pause? I, every day, I want you to know, Pastor, I ask him to forgive me. Well, what are you doing that for? Let it motivate you. Let that sin motivate you not to do it again. But you're forgiven. And here's the deal. Well, Hebrews chapter 10 says, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. See that? Let me tell you something. Here's, here's what I found. You don't need anybody to stimulate you 
to sin, do you? Isn't it weird? Just wake up in the morning and you're golden, right? <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> Your flesh is just so weird. That's why you need to get in the Word of God ASAP when you get up in the morning. But we do need to stimulate each other or motivate each other to love and good deeds. And what are those good deeds? Let me tell you something. The world will give you a whole bunch of things that they would say, here are the good deeds, here are the good deeds, here's the good deeds. But we don't look to the world to tell us what the good deeds are. This is where we find the good deeds. You see this right here. God gets to determine what the good deeds are. He determines that. The world doesn't determine that. Hollywood doesn't determine that. Government doesn't determine that. The Lord determines that. And we need to stimulate one another. We need each other. You need to be in a circle so that you can stimulate others around you, motivate others around you to love and good deeds. We, 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 we need that. Number three, if you want to grow in your faith, you got to spend time talking with God. Yeah, you got to put him number one. You got to deal with your sin, but you got to talk to him. The Bible says, pray always, pray without ceasing, present your request to God. I, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands and pray. The prayer of a righteous man is a, a powerful and effective thing. All throughout the scriptures, you see men praying, and, and you praying by yourself is a good thing. But one of the things you find in the life of, say, the Apostle Paul is he wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. He was always saying, hey, will you pray for me? Hey, I need you to pray for me. Hey, church, pray for me. Hey, I need you to pray for me. Hey, guys, would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Because he knew that his prayers were powerful, but he also knew, whoa, there was something really powerful when a group of people got together and prayed. And that's one of the beautiful things about men sitting around a table, women sitting around a table. You get in your groups in CR. You, you get in your home group, your life group, whatever it is, name you want to put on it, and there's a moment when together you pray. That's why we have the dwelling place down here once a month. The last dwelling place was down on our series campus, and it was, wow. <laughs> I got goosebumps just thinking about it. What's happening there? There's something powerful when people get together and they pray. And part of your prayers has to be, a, a Colossians says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Too many times when you go to pray, brothers, sisters, it's all about us, you know, oh, God, you know, here's what's going on in my life. You know, my elbow's not feeling good. And, hey, Lord, you know, help me with this. And we spend all this time, you know, about us. Not wrong with doing that, but you, you need to shift gears and go, okay, God, I got all this stuff out about me, and I want to thank you for my spouse. I want to thank you for my children. I want to thank you for my parents. I want to thank you for my friends, my job. I want to thank you for the food I had to eat. I want to thank you for the clothes I got to wear. I want to thank you for the roof over my head. I want to thank you for the scriptures. I want to thank you for salvation and my church, my health. Something happens when you pray and you're simply thankful. Amen. And I'll tell you what, you get in a group, I, I, you know, and, and you let others say, you know, how do you want me to pray for you? I'll pray, my, el my elbow hurts, my knee's not feeling, okay, great, I'll pray for that. But it's good to have somebody go, what are you thankful for? And let, let, let's in our prayer time be thankful. Let's be thankful for the things that are happening in our in our lives. And last but, but not least, if, if you want to grow in your faith, you've got to linger in God's book. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. Okay? Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I boiled it down to this. Okay, I'm going to walk you through something here just real quick, and then I'll pray. You've got, you got to read God's, God's book. Okay, I think that's where it begins. That's milk. And by the way, I like drinking milk still. Nothing wrong with having a glass of milk. Nothing wrong with having milk in your cereal. Nothing wrong with that. I still enjoy some milk. And milk is just reading the Word. That's kind of where it all begins. You're just reading the Word. 
But then there comes a moment when you gotta move on to maybe the Gerbers. And the Gerbers is, you know, and I need to take a number two pencil out, you know, and a yellow pad of paper. And I need to study a little bit. I need to just go a little bit more than just reading. And that's the beautiful thing about getting in one of these groups. Most of the groups that are out there, and this is just the groups that are open, are gonna be going through the book of Job together. Now you're gonna do a little bit of study. You're gonna bore down on a little bit more. But then, then there's another step, and, and that's now I'm going to meditate on it. I'm not just going to study it, but I'm actually going to take a verse or two, and I'm going to look at that all day long. I'm going to put it up on my dashboard of my car. I'm going to take it to work with me, and I, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it kind of be like a steak that's marinating in some juice. And I, I'm, a, I'm really just going to focus in on this one verse, this one story of the Word of God, and I'm going to meditate on it. I ain't getting to a different kind of food then. Then, here's where, here's where you get to the stakes. You've read it, you've studied it, you meditated on it, now, now you're going to live it. See, it's easy to sit in here and listen to this, isn't it? Oh, man, that was great, Pastor. Thank you, man. I, thank you. And you get up and do whatever you want. People in Jesus' day would sit around and hear him preach. Easy to hear Jesus preach. Easy to hear a sermon Hard part is, is to go, okay, I've, I've read it, I've studied it, I've meditated on it, and now, God, give me the power through your Holy Spirit to live it. Live it out on the highways and, and, and the byways of life. But you're still, you're still missing one thing, and that's the last one. And that is, you now go, I'm going to teach it. Well, pastor, I, I'm, I'm not going to do what you do. You can teach it to your family. You can teach it to your children. There's lots of places where you can teach it. You, you could get together with some guys over coffee and sit down, and all of a sudden you're, you're teaching it. You know, you know what a lot of people did? A lot of people said, okay, here's the deal. I've read the Word. I've studied the Word. I've meditated on the Word. I'm living the Word, but I never taught the Word. So, Pastor Lonnie, you can open my home up, and I'll lead the study on Job. And we have DVDs and all that that will help with the teaching. But all of a sudden, we had a whole lot of people go, man, I've never really taught the Word. Never, never did that. Maybe your kids are already gone and grown, and you never really taught them the Word. Maybe you didn't even know the Lord when they were kids. But I'm going to tell you right now, you'll, you'll never grow if you don't spend some time in the book, whether it's reading it, studying it, meditating on it, living it out, or, 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 or teaching it. You put those four things together, and I guarantee you, you're going to go from milk to meat in a, in a hurry. Guarantee. Why don't you stand up here over in the venue? Why don't you stand up and let me uh, let me pray for us, okay? And so, Lord, thank you, God, for uh, this weekend and all that's gone on here, Lord. It's been great. I, I want to pray for our school that opens up this week, and man, may your Holy Spirit do great things at our school. Lord, thank you for the kids and the parents. Thank you, Lord, for the teachers and the aides and the administrators and, 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 and all the volunteer moms and dads. Lord, thank you for the coaches. Father, we're going to have a mess out here in the back parking lot for a, a, a while, and I pray that your spirit would go before us and just give some peace and calm some hearts as we figure some things out about how to drop kids off and pick them up and all that, God. But I do pray we'd have a great, great school year. Give us a great uh, afternoon, and I pray this in your name. Amen.